thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April Zare, and I'm an associate pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We'd also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Good morning. If you have your Bibles there with you, you can turn with me to the book of Luke. And we're going to read Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 44. Luke 19, 28 to 44. After telling this story, Jesus went on towards Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went ahead and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers suddenly began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He said, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you, of all people, would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. Well, on this Palm Sunday, we're looking at a message called the beginning of the end of the beginning. And don't think about that too much. (laughs) You'll get kind of tied up in circles and knots in your head if you do that. But the, the... Palm Sunday story really is the beginning of the end of Jesus' earthly life. As he's moving towards Jerusalem, as he's moving towards his crucifixion, he knows what's ahead. He knows what he's moving towards. He's intentional about moving towards the cross. But at the same time, even though it's the end of his earthly ministry that he's moving towards, he knows it's really just the beginning of what is after that. In a lot of ways, it's the beginning of the church as he leaves his disciples behind to continue to do the things that he has done. He's trained them, he's poured into them, he's invested in them, and as he prepares to leave them, he commissions them to continue on. So Palm Sunday really is a, a, a 
significant turning point in the story of the life of Jesus. Even though it can't be really set in stone, and there's a lot of debate, has been a lot of debate for years from biblical scholars, um, many people believe that Jesus entered Jerusalem for his triumphal entry on March 30th, AD 33, and was crucified probably on April the 3rd. Like I said, there's not 100% agreement on that, and some will say that it happened in early April of, of 30 AD, but for a lot of us, the larger question, and then a lot of people in our society, the larger question is, who cares? Does it matter to people? Does it matter to us? I think the challenge for you and I that, that's far more important than worrying about when the date was and what it happened was, what does that event that took, back, took place in all those years in the early spring of either 30 AD or 33 AD, how does it impact us here today on April the 10th, 2022. To what seems like an increasing number of people, the story of Palm Sunday and, and the events of Easter don't really make a difference to their lives. They're not really relevant to them. But what about you and I? How do the events that, that we are remembering as we move into this Easter week, this Holy Week, how do they impact us? How do they make a difference to each one of us in our everyday lives, and how do they make a difference to us as a church? So that's what I want to focus on this morning as we reflect on this story. And I feel like what I have to say will be kind of lackluster compared to what we just had here with the kids this morning, but uh, and, and we're familiar with the story, right? So it's easy to, to read the story again and just think it's the, the same thing we've read before, but I'm praying that as we, we look at it again and we reflect in some uh, some of the aspects of it, the God will reveal to us new things. So, Holy Spirit, would you do that? The first thing that, that I find significant as I think about this story is, and the lesson for us is that we still have to let the shepherd lead from the front. Look at verse 28. Luke clearly records, and I think it's significant that Luke records, that it says, after telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem walking ahead of his disciples. Why would Luke note that? And I wonder if it's because it's, it's a lesson of how the shepherd leads us. We can be impatient people. I know I can. The temptation for us is sometimes to, to get impatient with God. God's not moving at the pace that we want him to. He's not maybe moving in the direction that we want him to. So that the temptation can be for us to, to jump out ahead and start to do our own thing. But we need to let the shepherd lead from the front. Let Jesus go ahead of us and follow where Jesus is leading. They say that if you don't know where you're going, any path will get you there. How can you and I possibly get to where God wants us to be if we are going ahead and not following where he's leading us? How can we know the way? And so to me, it's a reminder that we have to be patient with God. We have to, to put our impatience in check to, to recognize and just be honest with the fact that, that we can be impatient, that we want to run ahead, and we, and we want to have a sense of control in some ways too. When we let someone lead us to some place where we're really surrendering our control, we're giving up our, our control and any kind, of, um, yeah, any kind of control that we have in that direction. So letting Jesus lead is an act of surrender. It's an act of trust. 
trusting that God is going to lead us where he wants us to. But that requires patience. There was a man who was in a grocery store, and he was there picking up a few things before going home. He wasn't in the store very long when he saw there was a, a young mother there with, with a young uh, girl in, in the shopping cart, and the, the young girl was, was having a bit of a fit. She was upset and crying, and she wanted a, a certain kind of cereal, and, and she wasn't getting her way, and so she was putting up a bit of a fuss. And as the man was getting something nearby, this mother and daughter in the grocery store, he heard the mother calmly saying, be patient, Angela, we're almost finished. Well, a couple of hours later, as he was continuing on, they crossed paths again, and she was still fussing about this cereal, and, and uh, again, he heard the mother saying, we're almost done, Angela, just hold on. Well, at the checkout, happens to be, he was right behind her in the checkout line, and, and the girl was really going on by this time, and she was really causing a, a ruckus, and, and the mother, again, is, keeps saying, patience, Angela, not much longer now. We're almost to the car. Well, he paid for his groceries, and he went out to his car, and as he was moving to his car, he happened to pass close by to where, where this, uh, this mother was unloading her groceries, and, and uh, he walks by, and he, he decided he needed to say something. And he said, you know, I, I really want to commend you for, for your incredible patience with little Angela here. And the mother turned to him, was a bit confused, and finally she said, no, you don't understand. I'm Angela. <laughs> <clears throat> Sometimes we need to remind ourselves, <clears throat> excuse me, to be patient, right? We need to remind each other because when we're going through hard times, it can be easy just to want to push out and move ahead. So we need those reminders, and sometimes we need to remind ourselves just to wait and be patient and, and trust in God for his timing. The image of, of Jesus on the road from, it says, going through Bethany and Bethphage on the way to Jerusalem, and Jesus leading the way, his disciples following behind. I, I think it's a great picture. It's a visual, if you picture it in your minds. In a lot of ways, it, it seems to me to be a, a visual of what Psalm 119, 105 says. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Jesus, the, the word who was with God in the beginning, the light of the world, was, was walking down that path ahead of his disciples leading them to where they needed to go, leading the way on that path. And it just reminds me of how often we're tempted to be in a hurry and jump out because we think we know best or we're, we get impatient. When I look at the times in my life where I've been in the most trouble or feel like I'm in the most distress, I often look back and reflect that those are the times where I jumped out ahead and I wanted to do my thing or I thought I knew what was best. That's not always the case. I mean, God allows us to go through trials and challenges to, to grow us, to, to test us, to, uh, to cause us to, to deepen our faith in him. But a lot of times, the really significant challenges and problems in our lives are when we think we know best and we're not following Jesus. We're not holding back. We're being impatient. And we want a sense of control. In Jesus' day, there were a couple of different theories today about how a shepherd went about their business. Some people think that, that shepherds went behind the, the flock, and they, they kind of drove the flock from behind where they needed to go. 
they knew what was ahead, and they, they kind of drove them on that way. And that way, the shepherd could see the sheep that were starting to stray and could kind of rein them in. It's similar in some ways to the way we used to uh, the herd ducks and geese on the farm where I was growing up. You're trying to move 200 birds from one pen to another pen, and, and we'd get behind them and, and try and move them in. But the, the problem is you need two or three people to do that because you need one behind and a couple on the sides to get them in the right direction. It's too hard for one person to do that. But the other thought about how a shepherd led his flock was from in front. And it wasn't so much that the shepherd drove the flock on ahead, but the shepherd led the way and, and spoke to them, and the sheep recognized the shepherd's voice. And that seems to be the way that the Bible talks about being a shepherd. You know, when Jesus talks about the, the sheep knowing the shepherd and recognizing the shepherd's voice and not going to, to someone, a different shepherd who doesn't, doesn't have the same voice. And I think it's what Jesus is demonstrating here of how he's leading from the front, how he's speaking to his disciples, and, and as they recognize his voice and choose to follow him, they'll get to where God wants them to go. You and I need to spend time with the shepherd to recognize the shepherd's voice and to let him get out in front so we can follow and go at his pace. We need to resist the temptation to run out ahead of him hoping that, that God will bless what we're doing, but to, to hold back and instead follow him and do what he's already doing and what he's already blessing. I'll say that again because I think it's important. We need to resist the temptation to run out ahead of God, hoping that he'll bless what we're doing, but instead follow behind him and do what he's blessing. As we let Jesus lead, as we let God go ahead of us, and we see what God is already at work in, he invites us to work with him. But we need to let him lead, let him walk ahead of us and be our leader. Second thing I see to this passage is that, that being a disciple still requires obedience. In verse 32 to 34, we see a story of obedience from the disciples. We see them receiving an instruction that in some way seems to make no sense. In a nutshell, Jesus says, invites them to, to these two disciples, and he says, okay, you two, you go down to this village where you've never been before, and you will find a donkey that's never been ridden before, a donkey's colt that has never been ridden before, and if you go down there, likely someone that you've never met before is going to ask you what you're doing for it, what you're doing with that colt, why are you untying it, and, and this is what you're to, to say to the Lord needs it. It was an instruction that, that made no sense. It was a strange instruction when you think about it. I mean, how could Jesus have known all these things? And yet, we see that these disciples, they went ahead and did it. They didn't seem to fight. They didn't seem to ask a lot of questions about it. They went ahead, and they followed Jesus in obedience, even if they didn't have all the answers, even if it didn't make sense to them. And again, I think that's a, a message to us, that there's times where we need to just listen to what God is saying to us and obey, 
even if it makes no sense. Maybe especially when it makes no sense. If God is calling us to do something, we need just, just to be obedient followers of Him and to do it. So, so what is Jesus asking you to do in your life right now? To open your life to, to people in your community, to open your home to people in your community, to, to serve on a, a committee of some sort, or to, to share your faith with someone? To be bold and share the hope that you have in Jesus? Well, how will you, how will you and I respond when, when God asks us to do something that we don't fully understand, that we don't fully feel prepared for, maybe we feel ill-equipped to do? How will we respond? We respond with a, with a and I'm too busy. Or I can't open up my house, it's, it's a mess right now. I don't want to have people come in and see that. Or I can't serve on that committee. I'm, I'm not a leader. I don't have what it takes to do that. Or, or I can't share my, my faith with someone. I wouldn't have the words to share. I wouldn't know what to say, and I'd be too scared to, to do that. And so I think the question and the challenge for myself and, and for all of us is, when God asks us to do something, will we respond with excuses? Will we respond by saying, but God, or, or I don't think I can, or, or any other kind of excuses? Or will we just listen to what God is saying and trust that what he says is what's for the best? I mean, if those disciples had questioned and, and, and gone a different direction, done their own thing, we wouldn't have seen really the miracle that was there. This, the idea of Jesus uh, sending them down, there was a miracle. It was a supernatural thing that Jesus knew all this was going to happen. He told them ahead of time what was going to happen. And if they'd used their own minds or their own logic, thinking this makes no sense, I don't get it, I don't understand it, the miracle would be missed. And so when we put God in front of us, when we let Jesus walk ahead of us, and we begin to obey and walk in obedience to what God is calling us to, whether it makes any sense at all, we put ourselves in a place where we can start to see the miracles of God in our lives. The principle that Jesus was teaching in the, in the parable of the talents really applies here. That if God gives us a little bit and, and we're faithful with it, he knows we, we can be trusted with it, God will give us more. But if we're afraid, if we don't use that little bit that we have even the little bit will be taken away. And so what does it look like for you and I to be obedient disciples of Jesus? Thirdly, we see that Jesus is still to be praised. We see there was quite a, quite a commotion when they finally moved towards the city of Jerusalem. And his disciples started to, to shout and yell and sing praises to God. They put down their, their cloaks on the roadway. They put down palm branches on the roadway. And really it was the time's equivalent of rolling out the red carpet. It was a way that you welcomed a king. Except that instead of this king riding into the city victorious on a, on a war horse, this king was riding in on a donkey's colt. He was a, a ruler that would be about peace and not about war. 
And so as he came down and came into Jerusalem, there was a lot of commotion. There was praising. There was shoutings, Hosanna, and blessings to, to this king who's coming. We welcome you to be our king. What we don't see here, but we see later on, was that for most of those people, this was a bit of a case of mistaken identity. They thought they were welcoming a different kind of king than what they were actually welcoming. They thought they were ushering in a king who was going to, to in, a, in an earthly way, overthrow the Roman government and, and free them from, from uh, Roman power and occupation of their territory and return Israel to, to the glory days that they, they were before. And so even though they were shouting these praises and, and, and worshiping, they weren't doing it for the right reasons. We know this because later that same week, they would recognize their mistake. And they would turn very quickly from, uh, from shouts of Hosanna and shouts of praises to shouts of crucify him. It didn't take them very long at all to be turned by the religious leaders who were there. And I think that's maybe the case today. There's people that, that recognize who Jesus is, but maybe not in a full way, maybe not in in a complete way. We recognize that Jesus is our Lord, or is our Savior. We recognize he's the one who's come to, to save us, save us from our sins and save us from, uh, from death in this world and life to the next world. But Jesus is also one who is to be the Lord of our lives. Not just Savior, but also Lord. He's to be followed. He's to be obeyed daily. Our lives are to look like his Jesus didn't come just to save us for life after this life is over. He came to save us now. He came to give us abundant life and full life, even now. He came to be Lord and Master. Next thing we see is that some of the most blind people to who Jesus was were the religious they were the religious leaders of the time that should have known better. They should have recognized him. But they didn't. They didn't know. They were blinded to who he was. There's a story of a pastor who dropped into a sixth grade Sunday school class one time. He just kind of dropped in unannounced just to see what was going on. And he decided to give a little bit of a, bit of a pop quiz while he was there. And so he asked the class, who can tell me who it was? who broke down the walls of Jericho. Children were silent for a long time, and they kind of looked at each other nervously, and nobody wanted to answer. In the end, there was a young girl who finally spoke up and said that they didn't know who it was, but it wasn't any of them. <laughs> Pastor was kind of taken aback and, and disappointed because they didn't seem to know this pretty famous story. And so he turns to the Sunday school teacher and, and asks him what he thought of that. And the Sunday school teacher answered, Pastor, I don't know what to say here, but I've known these kids a long time, and if they say they didn't do it, they didn't do it. <laughs> Pastor was quite unhappy by this point of what was happening down there, and he leaves the class and goes to the, the director of Sunday school and, and told, tells him the story of what's happened, and the, the director of Sunday school is just embarrassed and, and says, Pastor, let's, let's not worry too much about this. If the walls need fixing, we'll find somebody to do it, and we'll find money in the budget to pay for it. <laughs> Just a silly story, but the point is this, that, that the people that should have known best often don't. 
religious people of the day were, were some of the people that Jesus uh, was most harsh on because they should have known who God was. They should have recognized. But they were so caught up in their systems, they were so caught up in their, their desire for, for power and control and influence. And they didn't recognize that as the people were praising Jesus, that this was not something to be stopped. They tried to silence the disciples. They tried to silence this, this praise of who Jesus was because they didn't get it. The last point that I have for today is I think our Savior still weeps. We see in verses 41 to 44 that as Jesus finally comes to the place where he can see the city, instead of being joyful and, and happy, we see Jesus weeping because he knows what the future of that city is. He knows it in a physical sense that it will be destroyed again. And that did happen in history beyond that. But I think he also weeped for those people that lived there that, that again, would miss who he is. That would miss why he came. Jesus loves people. He came and he walked towards the cross. He walked into the pain. He walked into the, that torturous uh, number of days before his crucifixion on purpose. And there's the the song that says he could have called 10,000 angels to rescue him from the cross, but he chose not to do that. It was his love that kept him on the cross for us. And so he looks down on that city and he weeps because of how far away they were from God. Jesus has a heart that breaks for the lost. He died so that all of us can, can be reconciled, can have a relationship with God. He cares about lost things. And we see that from so many of his parables. How things that are lost, he, he leaves the 99 sheep to go and find the one lost. That's who Jesus is. And so as we choose to follow the shepherd, we need to be about what the shepherd is about. We need to be obedient. We need to let him go ahead of us to let Jesus lead us. We need to be people that are worshiping Jesus, but worshiping for the right reasons. Not only just worshiping for what we can get out of it after this life is over, but, but worshiping because we are, we are followers, because we recognize who he is, that he is our good shepherd. He is worthy to be followed and to be praised. And we need to have hearts that break for those who, who don't know Jesus as well. We need to be loving people the way that Jesus loved people and invited them to relationship with him. As we go into this week and as we reflect on the events that, that Jesus went through in this holy week, may Jesus not look at us and say, I wish that even today you would find the way of peace, but now it is too late and peace is hidden from you. May we see Jesus this week. As you're reading the word, as you're preparing for, for this, this weekend's worship, look to see what Jesus is saying. Let's have open hearts, open minds, and be ready to receive what Jesus has for us. 
Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for how you love us. And thank you for how you lead us. I pray for each one of us, and myself as well, that, that God, we would meet you in, in new and powerful ways this week. As we reflect on the, the events leading up to your being nailed on the cross. As we reflect on the events leading up to how you, you died, not for your sins, but for our sins. And as you rose again, you came alive again, showing that you did pay the price. You were successful in paying the price for our sin. God, help us to see you. Help us to be struck in new ways by what you did. And may our lives be changed as we do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.